Hey friends, welcome to the Thrive Like a Parent podcast. You know those parents who look like they've got it all together? Yep, that's not me. I'm Dr. Brooke Weinstein, mom, widow, and neuroscience expert on all things sensory and emotional regulation. Yep, that's right. I'm here to get down and dirty on the truth behind parenting, education, burnout, neuroscience, widowhood, and the shit show we call life. So come join me for conversations with thought leaders, doctors, and women just like you who aren't afraid to speak the truth and help you find that silver lining between the to-do lists, shit shows, and chaos of parenthood. If you are craving the answers to finally find that sweet spot between chaos and calm, pull up a seat and listen in as I take you from burnt out and surviving to finally thriving. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Thrive Like a Parent podcast. I'm going to do something a little different today. I look through a lot of DMs and there's, I mean, you guys are always sending me questions and I don't really have time to answer those questions. So I wrote a list and literally they're about kids, they're about adults, they're about everything. So I'm just going to answer them here. And I decided I will do this every now and then because it's really giving you what you want in terms of the knowledge that you're seeking. That's clearly why I do all of this is to help you understand this knowledge. So the first one that I want to discuss is toe walking. If you have a child that is toe walking, that means that there is something sensory wise going on within their feet. It it doesn't mean they have any sort of diagnosis. Like it doesn't mean, and maybe they do, but like it doesn't mean anything other than, okay, that is showing up within their feet. So what I want you to do is watch when your child has, or yourself, right? When you have no socks on, if you raise your heels from, let's say carpet to tile or wood floors, yeah, or your child just naturally raises their heels in general, that means that something's going on sensory-wise between their toes. I'm going to give you a few examples and ways that you can support them through this. Number one, always have their socks off, no shoes as much as possible. If they go outside, I don't want you to tell them to put their socks and shoes on. I want them to walk in the grass barefoot, okay? Go to the beach, put a bucket of sand and have them walk in the sand. Do a sand pit in your backyard. I did one when the kids were younger during COVID at some point, it was one of our projects we did. And I not only did it for the support of my kiddos sensory wise through their feet, they both actually had it. So at some point I had a sandbox and it was for both of my kiddos to support their sensory stuff going on through their feet, which they both had a little bit of. And also because we were bored during COVID and it was something to do. I did not want that shit in my backyard. I did not want Sam being trucked through my house, but you know what? We did it and it was wonderful. Um, Also, you can do beans in a bucket, like red beans. That's super, super cheap. Let them step in it. Another thing is bouncing on a trampoline. That'll help push their heels down, keep those heels down. Because what will happen is over time, if they keep their heels up, their Achilles will tighten and so it'll stay up, okay? So we want them to be able to get those heels down. Another one that's really great for this is anything that they can ride along. And side note, 
I'm using my hands a lot during this podcast. So I would urge you to go to my YouTube channel because there are some questions below where I'm going to be utilizing my body. So you might want to see this visually. Um, but anything that they have to ride on where they're propelling their feet into a heel toe motion. Okay. So any of those bikes without pedals, any of those little ride along toys that when they're super, super, super little that are super low to the ground, anything that they have to propel themselves to go heel toe, heel toe to practice that input into having that dynamic movement of their feet. Okay. So toe walking is definitely a sign of some sensory stuff going on. And there are ways to support it through all the different means, right? Cold water, hot water, beans, sand, all the different things I just told you. Okay. And look out for it. Like I said, look and see if when they shift from a cold to a warm surface, like carpet, boom, if those heels are going up. Now, I also will tell you to watch for it when a child is having a time of struggle too. Maybe their heels stay down for a while and then they start coming back up. That could totally mean that they're dysregulated in some way or that something is necessarily going on with them internally, emotionally. Okay. So I also got another DM. My kiddo likes to crash into everything. That means that your child is seeking, seeking input into their body. Okay. And so the question in my DMs was what other activities can I give my child or do with my child to support giving them the input that they need? This person who DM me was like, I'm from Texas. It's hot as hell. Like, what do I do? So this also relates into the next question that I'm going to also discuss, which is deep pressure. Okay. That's another example of what I'm about to talk about. Okay. So stick with me. And again, you might want to look at this and watch this on YouTube. So if your kiddo is crashing into things, that means they're seeking input. Examples of other things you can do are big, big movement. Number one, like number one thing that I tell parents to do is get your kid in a pool. I personally believe that it is probably the best sport that we could support our children into engaging in learning and hopefully enjoying. And that is for a few reasons. Number one, neurologically, it gives the feedback, the pressure that your body needs. Okay. It's naturally the water, the resistance of the water is giving the body what it needs. It's phenomenal for that. Number two, I like to try, not always can this be possible, but I like to try to recommend to parents to have their children do extracurriculars that can follow them throughout life. For instance, I'm a dancer. When I got out of college, yes, I was able to dance in college, but when I got out of college, there was nothing for me. I, it was like a drop, like boom, like, okay. And as you all very well know, dance is like my number one regulator. I always go back to it when I'm struggling or in need of support or moving through something emotionally or like, I just know that that's my healer and it always has been for me. And I started doing that the, at the age of two. So I love swim because that's something that can follow you for the rest of your life. I was talking to someone this summer at Golden Door when I was there and she was actually taking swim lessons at Golden Door and trying to learn how to breathe. And we talked a little bit deeper about how she was a runner and she's it was almost like there was slight depression over losing 
or having the loss of not being able to be a runner anymore because her bones and joints or hips are all the different things. And so she was picking up swimming, hopefully as a way to support her, her drive for still wanting to have movement. So swim is low impact. It's phenomenal. And it can follow you through the, the rest of your life. Okay. Um, that is a really, really awesome one for giving your child deep pressure and wearing their booties out. Number two is go to rock climbing place. Those places are phenomenal. They're all over now. They're in most cities and they're pretty reasonable in the scheme of things to be able to take our kids on activities. Like there's all these big arcades now, and that's like, I don't know, a bazillion dollars per visit. It's ridiculous. And that's just wildly overstimulating for the entire family. Also heavy load, heavy workload. So digging, doing yard work, grabbing the groceries and helping walk the groceries in and out of the house, um, lifting cans like soup cans. That's phenomenal. Anything that requires you, you see what I'm saying? Like I'm wanting to really give their muscles a chance to move and utilize, right? What, what they need to utilize. Another one is just walking, go on walks, morning walks, evening walks, after dinner walks, like walk, 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 walk. That is another fantastic one. Okay. Trampolines. Those are also awesome. This all gives deep pressure into the body. Okay. Deep pressure is number one. Okay. That really supports the brain and body. I don't know if you've heard this or heard me say this before, but touch, despite all of us, when we're dysregulated, we don't want to be touched with a 10 foot pole. And we're like, get away from me. Touch is like such a regulator. And so another one that we can support with our children who are seekers is weighted blanket, for sure a weighted blanket at night. And PSA, if you have a baby, don't go put a weighted blanket on your child. And don't go say that Dr. B told you to do that, okay? Make sure that your child can lift their head and all the different things. But I also recommend that you get a larger size than the bed. So let's say you have a twin bed, I'd recommend a queen. So it hangs over and doesn't fall off during sleep, especially if you have a child who's restless. Another example of this is, does your child kick their sheets all the way down at night? I used to do that. And my mom finally was like, Brooke, congratulations. You no longer are getting a sheet on your bed, a top sheet. And I was like, I don't understand. But I did. I kicked it down every night and she was sick of yanking it out. The weighted blanket will help have your child still get the input and the deep pressure they need, but it's while they're sleeping. So you're actually doing some good during the sleep process. You as well would benefit from a weighted blanket, okay? It is phenomenal. There's one that I have uh, that they sent, they meaning I don't remember their name. Someone sent to me, there's like a cooling material in it. So you could look for that if you get hot with the weight but that's phenomenal to do with children. And then now I'm going to go into deep pressure. One of my reels was on signs that your child needs or is seeking deep pressure. A few of you DM'd me and said, but what is deep pressure? What does that look like? This is where ding, ding, ding. I'd recommend you go to YouTube because I'm going to start using my body and hands to show you what I mean. So think about every single joint in your body. There's fluid. Okay. That's what keeps you lubricated to, to move your elbows, your shoulders, your knees, your hips, right? 
if we can give deep pressure into the joints, that supports the brain into understanding, okay, I'm getting some feedback. Okay. So number one, you could give deep hugs, like squeeze. I used to give three second hugs and I still do when the kids need it, but, um, they knew if we had a hard moment, we would do an, I love you with eye contact because I wanted to make sure that they one day will be able to look someone in the eye and say, I love you. And so I led that to be something that we practiced. And then I would do not a one second hug, but a three second hug. And I go squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. And I would give them as much deep pressure as I could. Okay. Input into their body. Now, if you as an adult are really having a hard day, I'm not kidding you. Just ask your partner to lay on top of you or your kids to lay on top of you. That doesn't mean you're about to, you know, go at it, but it just means you're needing the weight on your body. Take some deep breaths and see how you feel like pre to post. Okay. Now, when you do deep pressure and side note, I promise you, I will do a reel on this. I've also been wanting to do a reel on this. I did a story on it a while ago with my kiddos. Um, I just have, I need to tackle it with Charlie and be like, Charlie, can you help me? Um, so that I can kind of show you what I'm doing. But when you give deep pressure, I want you to give it into each joint. So kind of give it a little bit of a squeeze, squeeze. And yes, I'm doing it on myself right now. And then you can squeeze, squeeze, and then squeeze, squeeze. I just showed, showed it on my shoulder, elbow, and wrist because that's the easiest thing. But I'm telling you, I used to do that on Charlie before he would go to bed and he'd be like, mom, mom, can you do more, please? Like, mom, mom, could you come back? Or he'd ask me the next day, can you do that again? He loves it. So I promise you, I also will do a reel on that as well to make sure that you can see what's going on but we want to do it within their joints, right? We're kind of moving that fluid to give that deep pressure to help the brain realize, okay, I'm grounded. I'm safe. Okay. Now, total, total shift. Let's shift from another question that I get all the time. First, before I say the question and go through this, I want to thank every single one of you who have reached out to me through DMs about any of the posts I post about Jonathan and anyone who has said like, this has opened the door to have so many deep conversations with my spouse, especially men. I cannot tell you those DMS for me do not get old because that is honestly the reason that I share about Jonathan, because I don't want any spouse to have to feel and go through the journey that I've been through. I don't want any child to have to go through this. Like this has not been easy and it's, you know, I, I call it like the gift that keeps on giving, if you will. And that may sound icky or dark, but like this has not been easy. And so it's like, there's always something that's coming up. And even now me being diagnosed with Hashimoto's, I can't help but think in the back of my brain, Brooke, you've been through a lot in the last few years. Like your body is on overload and trying to keep up despite me continuing, continuing to support myself on a daily basis, right? So that's first and foremost, the reason I share everything about Jonathan is so that there's awareness that this topic is not taboo and that we can all get to a better place mentally and physically together as a society for ourselves and our children and the next generation. That's like, 
I always say the reason I do this, the reason I do this, like, I think that's probably the number one reason that I show up and continue working every single day is because I, I don't like you guys have to know this information. This is knowledge that you should and have a right to learn and understand based on what's underneath you know, the hood, what is, how does your engine run? How does my brain function? And we don't have that knowledge. That by the way, is what we should be learning in school. Not necessarily the history of who was the, the first president. I mean, like, it doesn't really matter. Like, tell me how often do you tell me that, you know, talk about the state capital of, I don't know, Louisiana, right? Like we don't talk about state capitals, but understanding how to utilize your brain and have brain health that's a necessity and it would be used every single day, but I won't get on that soapbox today. So the question that I get asked most often in terms of all of my content that I share with you about Jonathan is how do I help support my spouse who is struggling? And I know that I've touched on this before, but I'm going to give it again as a refresher. And the number one way that you can support your spouse who is struggling, as crazy as this sounds, is to support yourself. And I mean that with so much sincerity and love. And I know that if you're listening to this and you're in that place or you're in these shoes right now, it's like, no, but that's not going to help my partner be here tomorrow. That's not going to help my partner get the help they so desperately need. I apologize if anything I'm saying is offensive. I'm saying it with love and, and just honest truth. Like I, like I, I really do mean that, but you know, for Jonathan, now that I've looked back on this life that I've lived with him or did live with him for over a decade, no matter how much I did, no matter how much I morphed into this human, no matter how much caregiving I, I put into him, no matter like, no matter what I did, it still didn't fix the problem. And I'm telling you, like, I was like, you want to do this? We'll do it. You want to do that? We'll do that. You want to try this? We'll, we'll find the money. Like let's, let's do anything. And I was like willing to do any and everything. And I literally, I was like a freaking pretzel by the time Jonathan and I, you know, had separated because I was trying so hard to fix him and support him. And it's almost like someone who has an addiction issue or someone who it, and, you know, addiction is, is an, it's a mental illness. Like it's, it's something that that person needs to be able to finally admit to themselves and want, want the help. And Jonathan had so many roadblocks in his way of, you know, the question you're asking me, how do I help a spouse who's struggling? It's often you're saying the next sentence is he, he, needs help so bad. And it, you're saying he, because a lot of times, and she's, but a lot of times it's relating to other men because I'm talking about Jonathan, but he won't go help, get help or he won't talk to anyone. You can only lead a horse to water. There were so many roadblocks for Jonathan. I would beg him. Like I was like, it, it, look, like, why don't you see if a coach will help? Why don't you see if, you know, this will help or that? Like, let's do it. Like, we'll do anything. Like that's, tr it's worth a try he had so many roadblocks that he was unwilling to do those things. And eventually I had to say, I'm now struggling. I'm now drowning. I'm now in the form of a damn pretzel. And I'm now not well because I'm completely neglecting myself, trying to tread water 
and also holding him up. It was like, I was the life raft. Like I was literally his life raft yet. I didn't know how to fricking be a life raft. Like I, I wasn't trained for that. You know, like no one knows how to float in water forever. You know, like it's, it's, it's not doable. And so my biggest piece of advice to you is have an open and honest conversation with your spouse and say, look, I love you. I want you to get help. Like I want you to get support, but I also need you to know that I am struggling too in a way of I'm struggling to figure out how to support you. And so I'm going to go get some help. I'm going to go get some support for me because I, as a caregiver, need to make sure that I'm whole and well and taking care of myself so that I can support you. And that is hands down the number one biggest piece of advice I could ever give. And I know it's like, well, you didn't fix the problem. And you may even feel anger hearing that answer because it's like, no, like that doesn't help. Right. I don't feel that I could, you know, I could take Jonathan's death as defeat. And there's moments where I I have felt that of like, I, I wish I could have done more. But at the end of the day, deep, deep down, I always remind myself, I know I did everything I could humanly possibly do. I gave it my all. And I know that I supported him in the best way I knew how. And so you you need to have faith in that, that you're doing all that you can. And because I know the mental load of what a caregiver carries when a spouse is dealing with severe depression, I know that you need support, like hands down, you need support. And I wasn't quite willing to admit it to myself until a few years before Jonathan passed and hands down, like everyone needs support, like everyone, every single person in this world needs support. But that's my biggest piece of advice to you is you are also probably struggling because this is heavy and hard and you're probably holding a lot in your hands. And so I want to make sure that you focus in on making sure you have support and then lead from a full cup rather than an empty one. Now, like I said, I wrote a whole list, so I know we're switching all over the place. I have gotten so many questions recently on bilateral song playlists. You guys are loving my reels on bilateral stimulation of the brain and all the songs. So if you type that into Spotify, there will be a million different playlists. I've even gotten DMs that say, I don't like the playlist. Well, I haven't made a playlist. Maybe I will go embark on doing that if I have some free time and be like, hey, here's the playlist. But every single one of us enjoys different music. You know, I'm posting the songs that I basically enjoy, like the ones that I like. Um, Where I got that music from, no joke, was TikTok. Um, But they could also be little tidbits and little snippets of like 30 seconds or a remix. What I would recommend to you is look for what's called remix or layered music, as well as just type in bilateral stimulation or bilateral. Literally, if you type in bilateral, a bunch of stuff will come up and build slowly your own playlist. You know, if I like more pop or hip hop or this or that, and you like more calm and this and that, It really is to each their own, if you will. And so do some research and find the ones that feel best and right for you. But I'm so glad that you're enjoying those reels because the stimulation of our brain 
with music as it relates to music is so untapped, if you will. There's a whole world of, of music therapy and music therapy in a form of modulation within your system, your nervous system, going back from left to right ear. Yeah. And there's even these specific headphones that I have and I purchased a really long time ago. There's continuing education on this for OTs and I'm sure you could do it and just pay for it even if you don't need continuing education. But it comes with a little MP3. Now I bought this years ago. It might come different, but it has you play it for about 20 to 30 minutes a day. And you kind of keep moving up the ladder and you can purchase different ones for anxiety or this or that. It's called therapeutic listening, okay? And that is another tool that you could utilize also for your children as well with sensory stuff going on as well as yourself. So in terms of bilateral song playlists, I've given you therapeutic listening as well as do some research and find the ones that feel best and good for you. The next one on my list is bedwetting. You know, I was just stretching my neck for this one. <laughs> I have so many questions on poop and bedwetting, like a lot. I'm deciding which one to go to first. Let's go to bedwetting. So bedwetting, if you're trying to get your kiddos to potty train or stop peeing in the bed, if they are struggling with potty training, that means they're not ready. I know you're sick of the diapers. Trust me. I get it. I was so ready to be done with diapers. Lo and behold, I'm back in diapers because my 13 year old geriatric dog that I'm looking at right now, who now has a seizure disorder on top of that, and I'm trying to keep him alive. He's now in diapers because I'm sick of the pee everywhere. So yes, it, it may follow you for a really long time, but if you try, let's say like the three-day method where you get them naked and you try all the things and they're still not getting it, that means they're not ready. I know it sucks to hear that, but that's the truth. Now the bedwetting. So bedwetting is if they are not able to train themselves, you know, potty train themselves to not wet the bed, it's going to be a few things. Number one is comfort. Number two is again, not ready. And if they're not ready, it could be like interoception, like I've been speaking on lately, where it's, they can't feel that they're actually going. Like for instance, check the next time that your kiddo pees, let's say in their pull-up and be like, do you, do you feel anything? Like, did you feel that? They may not have felt it. And so how are we going to reprimand them and be like, yo, stop peeing in your bed at night if they don't even know they're doing it, if they don't even literally feel it, like I'm not kidding, they literally can't feel it like wet down there. So most importantly, please don't shame. Don't shame the poop. Don't shame the pee accidents. Like please don't shame it because it's just going to cause more anxiety surrounding it. Okay. We're just going to have conversations about it and be like, Hey, did you feel that? Tell me how it feels like what's going on. Now, if they are fully potty trained and then they revert backwards, that means that there's something going on, whether it's poop or pee. Okay. So let's say they're fully potty trained and then all of a sudden they have a regression. And I know that there's this like, you know, the four month regression and then this regression and then that. 
maybe it just means that something internally or neurologically is going on with them. And so we want to check in, hey, are they about to start kindergarten? Or did you just travel? Or did you just have a visitor? Or did, you know, mom and dad just split up? Or did you just, you know, were you just at dad's house and now you're at mom's house? Or, you know, you're at mom's house and then you're at mom's house. Like whatever it is, check in to see what's going on with your child. Because we always want to look for the root cause not just the behavior. Okay. The behavior gives us language to then understand, okay, I need to look deeper. And we can literally say that that's the same thing with the crashing. Like if the, if your kiddo's crashing into everything, that means we need to look a little farther at to, at what is going on. Okay. It's not just that they're wanting to drive you up the wall and scale all the walls and damage your furniture and pillows. Okay. So Bedwetting could be something going on with them neurologically in terms of a regression or dysregulation that could look like a quote regression, as well as please make sure that they're ready. I know you're ready, but make sure they are ready. Okay. And then have conversations to help them become aware. Now, let's say your kiddo is, I don't know, 12 and still in pull-ups and for all intensive purposes can very much understand, you know, that at night we can hold it, have the ability to hold it and can go to the bathroom in the toilet. Another option is to hold a boundary of I'm not buying you pull-ups anymore. If you wet the bed because it's just comforting and safe for you and you just don't feel like getting up, you can, every time they pee in the bed, you can have them wash their own sheets. And that's more of boundary and kind of a little bit more of the, on the behavioral side work, but please make sure that they're ready for that. Please make sure that they're old enough. And if you utilize that, what they have to do is they have to strip their bed. Then they put it in the washing machine. Then they put it in the dryer and then they take it back up and they make their own bed. And I guarantee you within a few days, they won't want to do that. And they might complain about it in the beginning, but they will make it happen and it will discontinue what's going on. Now, above all else, please make sure that there's nothing going on urologically up in there and make sure you see a urologist, make sure you see, you know, someone to make sure something is not happening, right? Before we just say, I'm not, you know, giving you pull-ups anymore. Please make sure medically they're cleared before we go that route. But that is a route to be able to hold boundaries and say, look, we're going to learn this and we're going to take the summer to dive deep and do this. I know summer's almost over. For some of you, it's already over. The kids are back to school, but that is a route you can take if it is more a comfort and they've just gotten used to it. Another question I get asked often is, lovies and sucking on thumbs and all the different things. Let them keep their lovey. Like I still sleep with my teddy bear and I am not ashamed of it. Okay. My body's gotten used to the way that I hold it and it gives me comfort and it's a place of grounding. Yeah. My grandmother also bought this for me. So like, it's very special to me. Sucking thumb. I know dentists aren't going to love this and some OTs will DM me and be like, well, that's a primitive response. They need to be able to not do that and all the different things. But like, 
I want you to understand this on a neurological basis. So if your kiddo is sucking their thumb and you can't get them to stop, or they're sucking on their binky or pacifier or whatever it is, that is their first mechanism of self-soothing. Now, both of mine weren't really into pacifiers. They just weren't. Like we never had to send the pacifiers away. Charlie had a lovey and he fell in love with the lovey's sweatshirt. No joke. And so it became like ripped up and it was a rag. And then eventually it got lost and thrown away. And I was like, well, when it's gone, it's gone, buddy. And that's kind of how we, we let it go. But, um, that is their first means of regulating is the sucking motion and the sucking pattern. And so that is very self-soothing for them. Will your child be sucking their thumb as they're walking down the aisle? Probably not. Right. And so we need to make sure that if you are ready to support them, not just stop the behavior, but support them into releasing the sucking or releasing the, all the things, make sure that you utilize or give them another tool of regulation, whether it's rubbing on something or rubbing on their, their upper lip or something that can keep them busy to give them that regulation piece that we are asking them to step away from. Okay. So this is a form of regulation. It's not just a pain in the butt pacifier. It's something that they're doing to utilize and regulate their own nervous system. I think I'm going to cap it at that because I've given you a lot of information on a lot of different topics and pretty darn fast. So scroll back through if you want to listen to these specific Q&As or specific questions individually. Also go to my YouTube channel if you want to watch me squeeze myself and show you what deep pressure is. I promise you I'll do a reel on it. And while please don't, please don't start DMing me with like millions and millions of questions every now and then, if you'd like to send me something, please do. And I will try to answer it as well as in the comments, if you could leave a review and tell us how you're liking the podcast, as well as in the comments, ask questions, that would be an easier place for me to see what is going on or hey, I would really love it if you could do a podcast on this, or I really enjoyed this specific podcast, or I really like the information on this. I'm sitting here doing this for you. So any feedback and reviews you give are so beneficial to us being able to do this more as well as support you in the way that you're longing for and need. So I hope that was helpful. That was kind of fun to just kind of do a few tidbits here and there because sometimes these specific questions aren't long enough to do an entire podcast on. Um, I will one day do one on poop and pee. I promise. I promise I will do a whole podcast on poop and pee because it's such a big one. I probably will end up doing one on all of these at some point, but until next time, XOXO, Dr. B.